Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Hey, Augie. Hello, Nia. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm lovely, thank you. I know that we are going to talk about um, controversies of the federal, excuse me, of the Food and Drug Administration as the third and sort of wrap up of this series. Yes. But I figure this episode is going to be super short because there aren't any, right? No controversies. <laughs> Everything they do is completely right. They get it right the first time and we're done. No. Ta-da! Listeners, that's it. That's the end of our episode. Mwah! We'll see you next week. Yes, uh, we're going to start a new series um, uh, uh, because Neil lives in fantasy world. Is that? <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Right. Um, uh, Are you so... about to break my heart and tell me that that's not true? I, I, I'm sorry, Nia. Once again, um, oh, uh, heartbreaker. I, me I, and Pat I, Benatar. Yes, I'm breaking your heart. I'm, <laughs> I'm the rain on your parade. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Whatever metaphor you choose to use. Okay, for once again, okay, your hopes and dreams being squashed. Okay, um, there have been, okay, uh, spoiler alert, um, a few controversies related to. <laughs> is the, it is it a few really? Yeah, there there have been a few, um, and um, but again, oh, can know, I say something that you mentioned to me off podcast that we didn't tell people? What's that? Um. That there is, there's actually legislation that says that the federal drug administration, excuse me, the Food and Drug Administration are not medical, that is not medical advice. Correct. They are not in the business of being doctors directly to people. That's correct. So when they okay something, that's not medical advice. It is that not they're medical. giving you. You should be talking directly with your physician. That's correct. About whether this drug will, in fact, help you, harm you. Correct. Can be taken with other drugs. Like all they're saying is, this is, as far as we know, safe, and as far as we know, for on-label use, will not cause. In most cases, although I think they do have an acceptable level of death, but in most cases, will not cause catastrophic events yeah, because but they never say sure just go ahead and take like that's not what they mean right there's a that, very that is correct because narrow and this goes back to the original reason why the food and drug administration was created the food and drug administration was created in the early decades of industrialization because we were getting food and drug substances um, on the market in the united states that were harming people. So people were turning to the government and saying, can you make sure that food and drug substances that are being sold are not harmful to consumers, to the American well, public? Because back in the day, a guy would show up with a truck in your yes. neighborhood and he would say, I have this remedy for rheumatism and, and it would be made of who knows what. Like, what? yes, you had no idea what was in that stuff. 
And sometimes they got lucky and something worked. Sometimes, most of the time it didn't, but that guy was long gone by the time. And you actually use the, the, the pejorative term either in the second episode of this series or the first. The snake oil salesman? That is correct, okay? And that's the origin of that word because, you know, typically a guy would show up, okay, into a community and say, I got this magic elixir that will not only go ahead and uh, uh, cure you of your stomach problems, but you could also go ahead and use it to clean up uh, your fine china, okay? <laughs> um, and also- yeah. anything and, that cleans your fine china, you probably should not be swallowing. I'm okay. just saying. And, 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 it, and it can also be used to go ahead and wash, wash down your, uh, <laughs> uh, your horses after a hard <laughs> day's labor, right? Okay. Yeah, there were tinctures and there were, <laughs> you know, just bottles of random stuff with, with, you know, only use one drop so that it would theoretically last a long time, except um, yes. one drop of anything is probably not going to help you. Yeah, um, right. Yes. So yeah, there was all that mess. So that's why we get the FDA. But even so, even when we get the FDA, we get the FDA saying, now we're not saying we're doctors. No, even though... Right? Even though a bunch of yeah, them are doctors, <laughs> yeah. Even though the FDA has a bunch of doctors who review the clinical uh, uh, test results of those who are going through the approval process, okay. But they're not telling us to go ahead and use these drugs, okay. These drugs should be prescribed by your family doctor, right? right? Who knows you and has met you and knows what no, that's you're, right yeah. and knows okay. the other things you may be taking knows your history knows all that stuff but isn't one of the controversies with the um with the fda that that they have regular review and like priority review yeah. and you can get moved up in the list yes um in 1992 Congress passed the Prescription Drug User Fee Act, PDUFA. <laughs> okay, that one. I love these. That one doesn't read as well as some of the others. I I I, I love government acronyms, right? PDUFA. Uh, PDUFA, right? And it. And what are you going to PDUFA me? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, sorry. This law basically allows the FDA to collect fees from companies to expedite the drug approval process. That seems bad. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> and the reason I think that seems bad is, so the Rogers Augenbaugh- um, Anti-sarcasm. Anti-sarc. Yes. <laughs> right? If we're trying to get approval for that, and one of the big pharma, who I will not name big pharma because I don't want to get sued, but one of the big pharma companies is also pursuing something like that, and they can pay to play. They could get moved up in priority before us. Correct. And then we're out getting that approval or we don't get that approval as soon as they do. Yes. That seems unfair. Yes. Um, or rather, it seems biased in favor of big. big pharma. Yeah, those with the resources to pay for what they call priority review. So basically the law, this law, PDUFA, 
um, uh, created, if you will, two separate review paths. You had the standard review, which we discussed in the first episode. Right. And then we have the priority review. Now, standard review basically takes about 10 months. So let's say, Nia, you and I have done the animal and human trials, right? We go to the FDA uh, for the standard review. It generally takes the FDA about 10 months to remove, uh, review all the documents, all the test you know, data, et cetera, okay, that you know, we shovel their way. And by the and way- I would, And I would be willing to bet that we hear nothing in those 10 months because correct. this is the federal government. Yes. So it's like it falls into a hole and you're not even sure that the guy who got who's supposed to read it got it. But anyway. Yes. But then you got priority review. Now, technically, the FDA is supposed to reserve that just for drugs that offer major advances in treatments or that provide treatment where none existed. Okay. Priority review typically only takes six months, half a year. So it shaves four months off the process. But you got to pay. Which can be millions. Oh, yes. I mean, because if you can get it to the market and you can get it into the hands okay, of patients, okay, who are being prescribed this drug by doctors, okay, you're talking about a lot of, you know, a lot, a lot of potential revenue here, right? Um, Now. (laughs) I don't like that, though. I I don't like it. I don't like it either. On the other hand, because I can see a lawyer saying, this provides better treatment and therefore it should be moved up even though it's not a new treatment. you know what i mean like yes when they say advancement advancement in treatment that's vague that's a that's government speak for bring me a lawyer and make an argument in front of me (laughs) Uh, you know what i mean like i don't uh, i mean there are people who could make an argument that aspirin is an advancement in treatment for some whatever thing i i don't know i i have i have feelings about that well in 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 like most of the issues or government processes and for that matter government documents that we discuss i have mixed feelings right? right because on one hand i agree with you right this seems to be you know priority review seems to be the kind of thing that a big drug company with a lot of money and with a lot of attorneys okay, could use to their advantage. On the other hand, okay, one of the criticisms of the FDA throughout its entire history, and Nia, I came across this from books and articles that were written by the, about the FDA in the 1940s and 50s when I was doing research for these episodes, was that the FDA takes too darn long, okay, to approve, okay, needed drugs, right? Um, and you and I have talked off off record, uh, off recording, okay, about the latest you know controversy in regards to you know Alzheimer's drugs, right? Where you have families of Alzheimer's patients who are just like, why is it taking so long for the FDA to approve drugs that might go ahead and help you know my husband, my wife, my mom or dad? my grandparents, right? Okay. 
And right. And, 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 and from the FDA's point of view, that is also a mixed bag because if you go too yes. fast, you end up with Vioxx, you end up with thalidomide, you end up with Fenfen, right? Yes. You end up with drugs that get approved and then start killing people left and right or damaging people left and right. And That's when right. that happens, then, I mean, Vioxx was a painkiller, right? They thought it's great until they suddenly realized it was giving heart attacks to four out of every thousand people who take it and by the way those are not good odds yeah with with a drug so it's this weird mix of i want it faster but i also want it to be really safe and for us to understand what's happening you can't you can't always have both of those yes at the same time it's again part of that push pull that the fda experiences with we want to release drugs as soon as we can safely release them. But by the same token, one of the things we know is that we don't study anything long enough to know what the true long-term yeah, effects because, are. Yeah, because with many drugs, we may not be aware, okay, of their For science. months or years. Yes, right. Um, okay, so those are... <laughs> Okay, so I mean, did... the NFL is only just recognizing concussions as yes. a problem, yes. even though we have been hitting people in the head playing football for 100 years now. Yeah. So, I mean, but we're now starting to understand what that does to the human brain, brain. over a regular, consistent set of injuries. And, and so we mentioned separate from the FDA. But okay, anyway. but OK, so we've mentioned two controversies, right? At the end of la- at the end of the last episode, we talked about, you know, pay for delay, right? Right. Okay. We've just talked about okay the pay for know, priority. Pay for priority, right? Third controversy, right? Let's say Nia, we take uh, anti Sark to the FDA. Ten months later, okay, they send us an email and say. We're denying <laughs> your approval, right? And okay. Do they and, have to tell us why? Yes, they do. Okay. okay. It's uh, the FDA. So they can't just say because we like Bill Newman better. Yes, right. Um, and Even if, though that may be true, I mean, considering Bill versus us, that yes. may be true that people like him better. That's right. And for listeners, if you're like, who's this Bill Newman? In the previous episode, we said our colleague Bill Newman, okay, uh, was producing a generic version. Right. <laughs> we used him in our generic discussion. Yes. Although he is not a generic individual. <laughs> no, 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 He's no. He's an no. outstanding individual, but we yes. used him as the bad guy. Yes. Um, okay. Because if you knew him, you would know that is like picking a kitten as the bad guy. Yeah. Like I mean, he's just totally that, that's not. hundred yeah, that's a hundred degree, hundred and eighty degrees different. Yeah, than, than Bill Newman's personality. Yeah, that's why we picked him because <laughs> because other people we might name might be a little too close to bad guy for comfort, but yes. not Bill Newman. Okay. So anyway, so so they're not. They have to tell us why they're doing it. They can't just say because we picked a different person. And this is where it gets. Here's where the controversy arises, right? So they outline the reasons in a response letter but then the agency has created over time an opportunity for the drug company to meet with fda officials 
to discuss the issues, okay? If that discussion does not clear things up, the company then can ask for a hearing, correct any issues, submit new information, or withdraw the application, okay? Okay. So one of the criticisms here is that a company that gets denied, okay, in that official response letter, that's not the end, okay, of the, shall we say, interaction or negotiation. Again, mixed feelings, because <laughs> they get a second chance. Yes. <laughs> but because that's likely to be big pharma, they are cutting out people who may not have the resources to go after a second chance. Uh-huh. Yes. Because in order to do a second chance, you probably have to have in-house counsel. You probably have to have a lot of scientists who can rework the the data and do all that other kind of stuff. I mean, like, you would need to throw resources at that in order to be able to rework that. If you were a small company, that might not, that option might not be open to you. That option may not be open. And... And again, you're talking about and no food. doesn't technically mean no. Yes, no doesn't. No doesn't. means convince me. Yes, and goodness, that that would be terrible in some instances. And again, I have mixed feelings about this because I understand why the FDA or any government agency that denies somebody something that they want from the government gives an appeal. Gives an appeal because that's hard because wired. you're a court guy. Yeah, that's and hard, that's yeah, what that's, we do, right? Is we that's give hardwired people an appeal. <laughs> yeah, that's hardwired into American constitutional values, due process of law, right? Okay. But like you, I'm just kind of sort of like, but this, you know, the 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 uh the post letter meeting and then the appeal, okay, seems to be just set up, designed, okay, for those who have the resources to basically just wear the FDA down. I was going to say to pressure the institution to give them what they want. Okay. I mean, and, and, and again, you know, for listeners, if you've been following along in any of the major newspapers over the last roughly two to three months, I mean, there, there's been a lot of criticism about the fact that the FDA has recently approved a new, a new Alzheimer's drug, which interestingly enough, the company who made it, okay, got the denial letter. But then when they met with the FDA to figure out why they were being denied, the FDA went ahead and said, well, maybe we should go ahead and bring this to market anyways, right? Okay. And, and, and <laughs> let's Congress, talk mixed message. In, in Congress, Okay, is thinking about ha having some hearings about this. Okay, because the company is going to charge like I, I, I think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you and I both you know read the article about this. I mean, this was going to be like five thousand dollars, you know, per per treatment or something. I mean, it, it was just bizarre, right? Okay, just uh, utterly bizarre. Um, 
Um, a newly approved drug with a steep price tag of $26,500 a year. Yes. Okay. So um, roughly $2,500 a month. Yes. G- right? Give or take. Uh, no, yeah. 20, 22, 2250 a month. Yeah. Uh, so that would be... Uh, for most people, one or one and a half of their paychecks? Yes. That's a heck of a price to pay for. I, we, we can't even get into prices of drugs, though, yes. because the FDA does not control the price of price. a drug. That's right. That's the market. And there have been some people out there who've done some pretty evil things with pricing drugs. Um, uh, the guy who changed the price of the hep C drug. Yes. Because he said he was making money for his shareholders. Um, and he raised it to $700 a dose. And then, and then, had, then, and then that was unaffordable for, for most people with hepatitis. Like, what, do you, what, what are you doing? And, and then, then there's all the problems with insulin and how and much then, insulin costs and, and people then, having to take half doses. And then EpiPens. And okay. EpiPens. And that'll be $800 for an EpiPen. I'm sorry, excuse me, what? What did you say? So, and the FDA has no control over that. That's the market. Yes. The FDA doesn't approve with, uh, we approve, but you have to make it an affordable drug. There are other parts of the government. Yeah. So now you're talking about the Federal Trade Commission. Can regulate, right. Okay. Or the The costs of. Yeah. The antitrust division of the the, the U.S. Justice Department. Or even if Medicaid and Medicare are purchased by the government in blocks, they can force prices down because of the amount that they buy. That's right. Right. If I'm going to buy this drug that I'm going to give to every Medicaid patient or close to every Medicaid patient, I can usually force Big Pharma to give me a decent price for it. Yes. Um, But the FDA is not involved with that. No. Okay. So that's a third controversy. A fourth controversy, okay, is (laughs) medical devices, right? So the FDA, okay, has the statutory authority to review medical devices, right? Okay. And medical devices are supposed to go through roughly the same review process as do drugs. Okay. So, (laughs) you know, so devices have to go through, you know, laboratory and animal testing to answer basic questions about safety. Then they're tested on people to make sure that they're safe and effective. All right. Sounds good, right? All good. Sounds good, right? Well, we would prefer that this oxygen mask does not set fire to your house. Yes. Okay. So the FDA has come up with a classification system to rank medical devices based on the risk that they may pose. (laughs) Okay. Oh, see, this sounds dangerously like an actuarial table. Okay. In which people's body parts are measured by (laughs) some sort of accountant somewhere. Okay. So class one devices are quote unquote least risky, right? Whereas class three devices support or sustain life. So an example of a class one device is an oxygen mask, 
which okay. I, okay class three okay are you know things implanted in a body right so pacemakers breast implants hiv diagno diagnostic tests so i'm reading this as i'm doing my research and i'm like i say so class three devices include breast implants and i know those can be dangerous particularly if they rupture right mm -hmm. but those are considered <laughs> riskier than oxygen masks which i've known a fair number of older people in my family with oxygen masks and without them they don't live right okay but nevertheless according to the fda okay um, i mean some of this just strikes me as so arbitrary right right okay right well it's the same as classifications of drugs right yes I'm not entirely certain that marijuana and heroin should be on the same classification of drugs, right? Wrong. Like they but do very different, different things, things to the to human the body. body. But according to the FDA and the DEA, which are the two agencies, okay, who have to agree on whether or not a drug is a class one, okay, drug per the Controlled Substances Act. Marijuana is on the same list as heroin, cocaine. Right. <laughs> okay. Which Anagi and I are not suggesting that heroin is not without its dangers and detriments, but we are saying that heroin and coke and, and sorry, Mar marijuana is not without its detriments, but it does vastly different, different things, things to the human body than cocaine does. Yes. Like <laughs> yes. that's just that's just a physical fact. Yes. Like, so anyway, so that's kind of an, an interesting controversy is what falls into what category in terms and, of whether it's a level one device, a level two device, or a level three device. And, and I'll let your oxygen mask slide, but I'm going to need to see more about, I'm going to need to see more tests on these breast implants. That's fascinating. And, and, and yet, by the same token, I can totally understand why pacemaker excuse me, pacemakers are level three. Sure. Because, yeah. you know, that's acting as your heart. But for all intents and purposes. But based on the classification of your device, you have to go through a different review. So low to moderate risk devices, okay, go through what's known as a pre-market notification, a PMN. Okay. Okay. And all you basically got to do is let the FDA know 90 days before you start selling your device. And then it's up to the FDA to stop to, you. To stop you. <laughs> that seems fraught with uh, yes. problems. Okay. But high risk. Especially if it's only 90 days. 90 days. I don't months. even know if they can get around to. Well, reading your application in that time, particularly because the FDA, like most government government agencies, are is chronically understaffed. Right. right? Okay. Right. So, so I give mean, it to them in the summer when nobody's around and see how long that takes. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. Oh my goodness. But high risk devices, right? So your class three, 
okay, they basically have to go through, you know, your standard approval process, just like, you know, drugs do. Oh, so they have to show clinical trials. They have. Oh, to show. yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 The, the whole the whole shooting match. Right. So just... what falls into what category is the controversy there? It's yes. not that you want that you don't want stringent controls over what we would think of as class three. It's that you want to be sure that the right things fall into class three versus classes one and two. And that's where the big debates are between, okay, the medical device companies and the FDA, because you fought, you fight long and hard as a, you know, medical device company to get your devices either into class one or class two, right? <laughs> but not class three, right? My pacemaker doesn't really take the place of your heart. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes, it does. Okay. Yeah, I could see where that would be controversial. And I can see again, where money helps you with that. Lawyers and money and the ability to present that to the FDA in a certain way. Yeah, because if you have a really good team of scientists okay who can sit down with fda reviewers and go ahead and say you know really this is not a life-sustaining device okay <laughs> okay except that then when it comes on the market the first thing it's going to be called is life-sustaining right like yeah. uh, you know, the light the, the 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 late night tv ads are going to talk about how you know you can live another 15 years Right. If you get this particular device, right? Okay. And again, you know, that's up to a different federal agency to go ahead and review those claims. That's the Federal Trade Commission, right? But that brings up another part of that controversy, yes. which is, okay, pacemakers. Yes. Let's just say you're going to test pacemakers. Yes. You're not going to test pacemakers on people whose hearts are perfectly fine. That is correct. Because that, that will make them need a pacemaker when they didn't need one before. We're going to stop your heart and replace it with this pacemaker. Right? Or stop your yeah. heart's natural rhythm and replace it with, I should say, your natural rhythm. So by that by that standard, it is not randomized. It's not yes. like the theory of, of general, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not great with methodology, but the theory uh, behind any tests like that of any subject, like say poli-sci, you're interviewing voters, you need a randomized sample of the voters in order to get a, a broader view, right? A representative, yeah, a representative view. sample. Yeah. If you only chose college students between the ages of 18 and 21 to interview about a particular candidate, you are likely, depending on the institution that you're at, to get a very biased sample. Yes. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. So how do they make sure that devices, I mean, do they just say, oh, well, that's part of the device world is that we can only test it on the people who actually need the device? You, you raise one of the critiques of the FDA's medical device review process, okay, um, that it's really difficult with medical devices, okay, to do the kind of 
you know, controlled experiments that you are looking for. I mean, because you can do that with drugs, right? We discussed right. we discussed that in the first episode. Exactly, right? where you said people, some people got the drug yeah, and yeah, some yeah. people got the placebo. Uh, placebo right? and right, that helps you randomize. Yes, yeah, so you can control for it and you can get you know a more representative sample. Right. But with medical devices, particularly with things, I mean, <laughs> some people randomly got a pacemaker, some people didn't. And I mean, like, that's not going to end well, and it's well, going to end quickly. Yeah. Or, some or, people. You know, or even think about oxygen mass, right? Right. Some of the people in our trial, okay, didn't get didn't oxygen. Get oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But the end result of that after, oh, I don't know, four or five minutes is going to be bad, right? So, okay. yeah. I mean, and we're, and we're laughing listeners, but I mean, this is some But that's serious, a serious, yeah. Yeah, this is some serious stuff, right? The other thing about medical devices is that the FDA gets criticized, okay, for not staying current in regards to evolving technology, right? Um, and, 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 and you're seeing this, right? A lot of medical devices now, much like automobiles, okay, have sophisticated computer systems. Oh, heck yeah. Okay. Um, but, but it used to be that a, that a blood pressure monitor, you had the squeezy thing. Yes. And you did the squeezy thing on your yes. up to a certain point. And yes. then you listened for the, when your blood started flowing through your your yes. vein again and then you're like aha that's your blood pressure yes. and now yes. you hook it up to your phone and it does a whole thing and, it, and, and it's and, part and of it, nasa's mission control it has a bunch bells, of bells and it. whistles are going off and you yeah. know you're getting and, digital readouts and and it can be sent to your doctor and all kinds of stuff without you yeah yes. so yes anyway i'm just saying and the other thing i would imagine is devices out in the wild Yes, are probably pretty hard to keep up with, right? Like once a device goes out into the market, yes, it okay. Sorry, listeners, I'm going to tell you a brief story you don't care about, but it is illustrative. Yours truly has been looking for a humidifier. There are approximately 456,000 humidifiers on the market. Me picking between them has turned out to be an existential crisis. Like it's worse than me picking a house or, you know, any other major life decision. It's turned into this whole thing because there's all these choices. And I imagine, like, I can't tell the difference one from another. I imagine that that becomes problematic with the FDA sort of keeping up with whether the devices are are working or they're working the way they're supposed to be working are they still effective like i don't know that seems like to me that once once it gets out into the market it's really hard to pull back it's it's hard to pull back and you're also pointing to and i think maybe you did not intend this but one of the big issues is the secondary or used markets for medical devices Right. Oh, I didn't intend that, but you're right. That's okay. I mean, that's me going to Goodwill and looking for a humidifier there. Okay, but I mean, you know, think about does that thing still work? Does that thing thing still, you know? Yeah, think about pacemakers. Okay, from what I do, you think there's a used market for pacemakers? Yeah, because if you can go ahead and change out the batteries, okay, you can you can take a pacemaker from one person, okay, 
who no longer needs it, and we hope they rest in peace. Yes, and insert it in somebody else. Okay. I that is so gross. Okay, but sorry, that's my reaction. Wait, that's been where? No, thank you. I'll get my own. But the used market for medical devices, the medical devices are cheaper. So people who are on lower incomes, that's true, can afford this. I have the I have the financial wherewithal to be grossed out by that, but there are some people who would not. You're right. Thank you for calling me on that because you're right. It's a financial, it's a financial issue for some folks. They use whatever is available to them. Yeah. Um, The last controversy I want to mention, and we've already kind of sort of talked about this, okay, with our colleague Judy Twig who for listeners, if you want to go ahead and get a short course, okay, on everything COVID-19, okay, you know, you got to, you know, type her name in the, you know, the the Google machine. She's <laughs> given a lot of great interviews, okay, um, but. That's COVID- true, and she talked to us at the beginning of, yeah. of the, sorry, of the vaccine um, dispersal. Yes. Once there were vaccines, she talked to us about how they were going around the world or not. Yes. The, as the, the case. The, yeah. The, the politics of all of that. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. But the COVID-19 pandemic gave the United States and the world a crash course on drug development. Right. Okay. That's true. A lot of people who didn't have any idea how drugs developed before this couldn't help. But unless they hid away from the news. They couldn't help but know how a drug, how how at least the vaccines were doing, yes. because it was being reported every day. Yes, and in it, in Nia, you touched upon this in our previous episode. A lot of Americans, okay, when COVID hit, were just like, "Why isn't there a vaccine?" Right? right. Or okay, and then they were like, "Well, what's the government doing about this?" And we talked about it in the last episode about how first the Trump administration and then continuing on with the Biden administration, okay, use the U.S. federal government's vast resources, okay, to incentivize, okay, drug companies, you know, to produce vaccines, to produce masks, to produce tests, right? Right. But all of that, okay, happened much quicker than the standard drug approval, right? But there were even delays with COVID-19 so that the FDA could go ahead and do, okay, their safety review. And again, that's gonna be part of the tension. It's one of the reasons why listeners, me and I wanted to go ahead and do a multi-episode, you know, dive into the drug approval process because at least for me, I don't know about you, Nia, but at least for me, part of my interest in all of this, okay, was based on what we as Americans experienced with the production of COVID-19 vaccines. I was just utterly fascinated, okay, by how we could go from when the virus hit the United States to a few short months later, okay, we were getting are you know first not a few short months later it was about, about a year about a, about year. a year but nevertheless 
But okay. that's an inordinately short amount of time when you consider that the normal length of time is 10 to 15 years. However, they had been working on the base of a drug yes. for quite a while, right? Yes. The base of a, of a corona-style drug that would help with a lot of these diseases because we've had similar diseases, SARS and other diseases that have come out that they're like, dang, we need to be able to have something that we can. So that's how we ended up with with something as quickly as we did was because they were already three quarters of the way there in terms of a virus that would deal with a respiratory but there um, were, illness of this nature. But there were plenty of Americans who were very skeptical about the safety yep. of the vaccines, in part because, okay, the approval process by the FDA felt short circuited. Yes. Okay. Yep. Um, and, and again, this is where, you know, this is the downside of the FDA having. Okay, you know, a well-established approval process that typically, you know, which typically means a drug from development to approval and marketing, okay, usually takes much longer. So many Americans were just like, well, boy, what's going on here? Are we not concerned about the, you know, safety and effectiveness of these vaccines? I'm not putting that stuff in my body. Right? Yeah, so we tested it on doctors and nurses. <laughs> yes we which did. which seems like a bad in retrospect seems like a bad idea because if it had not worked out in our favor for the, the most part and it most for the most part worked out in our favor we should be while we're talking about COVID-19 and COVID-19 vaccines a couple of things we should mention first of all there are some people who had adverse reactions to the vaccine there are people who have adverse reactions to the flu vaccine to yes to all kinds of vaccines. They're, you're going to wherever and you need the vaccine for yellow fever and they take the vaccine and then they get sick, right? It, it, it does happen with a certain amount of the population. And I think the, the, the medical companies were pretty clear on that. The pharma companies were pretty clear on that. There's going to be a certain percentage of people that this will harm. Yes. The, what you have to do is value that against the number of people it will protect. That's right. right. And and where do you make that split? And the other thing that's coming out now is sort of this disinformation or anecdotal information. My friend got the got the COVID vaccine and then they died a month later. And people regularly in the world, Neil deGrasse Tyson has a big long treatise about this, don't understand statistics. And they don't understand probability, and they also don't understand correlation and causation. That's right. Just because yeah. two things happen at the same time does not mean they cause each other. It is a known fact in political science that murder rates, or in criminology rather, that murder rates go up in the summer. It is also a known fact in the world that ice cream eating rates go up in the summer. Yes. But People eating ice cream does not make them murderous. That's not, <laughs> That's I right. mean, maybe if you had really bad ice cream, it happens once in a while that yeah, there's a connection, is. but those are not causally related. Yeah, that's what, correlation. What you're yes. Right. What you're having is both things are happening in the heat of the summer. Yes. 
And both things are happening when people are outside more. So they have more opportunity to hurt each other, right? And right, there's all these other factors. Yes. So we would encourage people to, when you hear anecdotal connections like that, just stop and think, okay, is that a rare event or is that a common event? Yes. If you're hearing that and it's 80% of the people that it happened to, okay, well, now we might have a real problem Some, on our hands. Yeah, we might have causality here. Right. But just because, you know, two events happen does not necessarily mean that, <laughs> that they, they made each other happen. That they're causally, yeah, yeah, they're causally connected. Instead, what you might have going on is correlation, right? Right. And it's really hard for humans because we like to make order from the chaos. Yes. We want the chaos of the universe to make sense. And so we tend to say things like, well, they got that. And three days later, they died. That thing must have caused it. Maybe, maybe it did, but maybe it didn't. And you have to, you have to ask yourself those questions. Yeah. I mean, an example I use with my students is I drink coffee every day a whole bunch. I'm also grumpy a lot of days. But <laughs> Coffee that, does not make you grumpy. <laughs> yes. In fact, if anything, it may make me less grumpy. <laughs> but if you look at the number of days that I drink coffee and the number of days that I'm also grumpy, okay, you could go ahead and argue that there's some sort of causality. <laughs> but right. really, all it is is correlation, right? Right. I drink coffee and I'm frequently grumpy. Okay. And also we would encourage anybody to, when you are caught up in a news story, to ask yourself, who's telling me this news and why are they telling it to me? Yes. Do they have a dog in this fight? Do they, are they going to earn money from it? Are they going to earn eyeballs from it? Right. Are they going to get clicks or views? Keep that in mind when somebody's telling you something. That doesn't mean it's not true, but it is something to keep in mind. Um, and also, the other, the flip of that is people were screaming for that vaccination, right? Yeah. Like they wanted to be vaccinated, and the pressure on the government was enormous. Well, I it, feel certain. Don't you think that probably President Trump called Big Pharma every day? Yeah. <laughs> Do you have it yet? Do you have it yet? Do you have it yet? Yeah, right. Well, and again, you make a really good point there, Nia. Um, and, and when we're recording this is uh, a few days after the terrible earthquake in Turkey and Syria. Um, and the number of people in those countries who are you know, begging their government to respond, right? I mean, you were right. seeing- the pressure is enormous. Yes, you are. See, you see that with public health crises. You see that with, you know, natural disasters where, you know, the people- Katrina. Who, yeah. People know, sitting on top of houses saying, uh, I could use a ride out of here. <laughs> yeah, right. Like okay. th- this is, you know. Yeah, and, and, and at that point, they're so desperate, Right. Right. That they don't care if you follow your established procedures. Right. They want a solution. Right. They, they want help. Right. Um, but the FDA, okay, has been tasked with making sure that whatever help is afforded through drugs, medical devices, 
Heck, we're, we, we didn't even talk about food. That's a completely different. Oh, no, we're going to talk country. about food another time. <laughs> right. Because we have to talk about nutrition in this country, too. But anyway. Yeah. But, but you're right. The FDA is swimming upstream against public pressure all the time. Yes. I want that new drug. I want that new drug. I want that new drug. And the FDA has to say, whoa, whoa, slow your roll there, buddy, because we need to make sure that it's at least relatively safe. Yes. Like we need to have some clue that we're not just going to kill mass amounts of people by releasing this drug out into the market. Yeah. So, because as soon as a drug is released into the market, somebody starts working on a generic side yeah. eye Bill Newman. Yeah. Right. And so. So we may go ahead and cure sarcasm, but if we, if we then uh, end up creating a whole bunch of insomniacs, okay. Uh, right. That's not good. Right. Right. You're not sarcastic anymore, but you haven't slept in a month. Okay. Well, that's bad. That's just bad for the human body. So, and, and the FDA also has to balance the idea of um, what, what harm the drug will do versus what health benefit it will create. Yes. which is why you get those labels. And we encourage you, Augie and I would like to end these episodes by encouraging you to find an over-the-counter medication if you don't take a medication or if you take a medication to read the hundred folded pieces of pa- piece of paper, right? Because it's been folded 400 times to fit in your box. With really small print. With really small print. So you may have to get out a magnifying glass. Read read the chemical interactions, read the possible like side effects, read all that stuff. And then, you know, and then think about the fact that the FDA has said, yes, but the benefit of that is more important than those, than those side of, right. Outweighs those side effects. Yeah. And after you get done reading that, okay. Don't ever read another one because it'll just make you sad. Just read the one. Okay. And if you still have your mind, um, <laughs> then if you have questions okay this is the uh, 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 the public service announcement feature of these episodes if you still have your mind okay and you still have questions please contact okay your physician or your right. pharmacist with those questions and get those answers <laughs> okay exactly please <laughs> do not email me or Augie yes because neither one of us has a medical degree and we're not in good enough shape that you want our medical advice, okay. either one of us, because yeah. Augie will tell you to drink eight, eight pots of coffee and take a lap, <laughs> and I will tell you to eat your body weight in chocolate. So neither one of us is good advice medically. Like, yes, talk to your physician if there's any question. We are not, and we're not medical doctors, and we don't play one. We don't play on TV, TV. ever. No, never. Mm-mm. Or on a podcast. No. <laughs> All right, Nia. <laughs> Thank you, Augie. Thank you, Neil. You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU Libraries. Special thanks to the Workshop for Technical Assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu slash discourse.
As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.